Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. It's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is September the 29th, 2021. This is episode 2965 of the Survival Podcast. And I'm fortunate today to have my good friends Bones and Amy. Yeah, that's right. Doc Bones and Nurse Amy from doomandbloom.net on for a long discussion, uh, almost two hours in total. Uh, we're talking about survival medicine and things like that. We also get into some discussion about what's going on in the medical industry with COVID, what you can do about it, what you can't do about it, etc. And I'm going to give you a heads up. There's a point here where Amy, I won't want to even say what it's about, but Amy's um, telling a, uh, a fairly emotional story. And, and, and someone in the comment section of the live feed, because this was done on a live feed on YouTube, you're going to hear the audio of it. Um, and there will be a link in the show notes where you can see the video if you want to see it that way. But it uh, was making some uh, smack talk comments. And uh, I think it was an asshole comment in the first place, but had it not been in the middle of an emotional situation, I would have just let it go. But Bones and Amy are not just um, expert council members. They're not just guests. These, these are personal friends. and I, They're dear friends uh, that I've known for more than a decade. And when someone talks shit to one of my friends in the middle of an emotional moment, they get thumped on the head. That's what happens. And... I thought about editing that part out for the audio version of the podcast, and I decided not to. So just because maybe you won't be able to tell the situation completely in audio, I wanted to give you the heads up of that. Before we get Bones and Amy on, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is ButcherBox. You know, I love ButcherBox. In fact, I just got a notice from ButcherBox about whether I want to add some things to my next uh, box coming to me, and I probably will. Uh, the fact that a giant box full of amazing meat shows up at my front, uh, well, my front gate, because you can't get to my house. you got to get through the gate first, and we don't let you do that. Uh, but it shows up every month. It's always excellent quality, grass-fed beef, pastured pork, pastured poultry. Um, and, and one of the things I've been really turned on to lately ever at Butcher Box is an add-on product is their bratwurst. Um, the, the notes that came in was apple and gouda sausage, and it's, it's good. I mean, apple and gouda is not exactly my... You know, kind of my happy place in the first place. So don't don't take it as a negative. But the freaking bratwurst these guys have available now is flipping amazing. You really got to give it a shot. Check out Butcher Box. You can have a box sent to your house every month. If you don't want a box for the next month, you can pause it and restart it anytime you want to. Big box, little box. You can do add-ons or not add-ons. It's all up to you. And they're so good that I take payment in meat. I do not get money from ButcherBox as a sponsor. They actually pay me with a giant box of meat every month. Give them a try, and you'll see why. Remember, MSB members, you can get $10 off a month from your ButcherBox. That's $120 a year. That's more than double the cost of the MSB on an annual basis. So that one membership benefit alone pays for everything. They always also sponsor our workshops. I'm going to see if I can get Daniel over there to send us maybe some bratwurst. Maybe Rawers this year from ButcherBox are really good. Uh, next up, the Wealth Studying Podcast with John Pugliano. Uh, I've known John for almost as long as I've known Bones and Amy. I first met John in Salt Lake City at a Prepper Expo. And um, not too long after that, he said he wanted to start a, uh, a podcast on, on you know, wealth, wealth principles. He said, what is, it, what is your advice for me? And I said, just effing do it. 
and he did. And he, he's become a great friend of the show and the community. He's kind of a, a fixture at TSP Workshops, and he really does know his stuff about building wealth. Before John went into the wealth management business, he made himself into a self-made millionaire. And he didn't feel he had a right to start advising you what to do with your money until he had proven his, his own worth with his. If you get over to wealthsteading.com, you can learn all the things from John Pugliano that makes John the awesome guy that he is. Check him out today at wealthsteading.com. With that, um, before I bring Bones and Amy on, I want to announce uh, what I teased you guys about yesterday is now a thing. You can win a fishing trip with one of my favorite people in the world and absolutely my favorite fishing guide, Omar Cotter of Luck of the Irish Guide Service. Now, he is here in North Texas, so if you won from somewhere else, you'd... Uh, you'd have to travel down here, or you could sell the trip, uh, and you could still get the rod and reel, I guess, if you did that. So he's got four captains, including himself, so three captains plus Omar now guiding under his guide service. Been in business over 20 years. I've been out with this guy over and over again. If you look at the write-up today, you'll see tons of pictures with me with just mountains of fish. I mean, the man knows what he's doing. And... uh I just was out with him Monday, and we cleaned up. Uh, we didn't get any stripers Monday, but we limited out on sand bass, two guys, that's 50 fish. We limited out in about an hour and a half. The man works his ass off. His other captains work their ass off. How can you win a free trip with Omar? Go to their YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Again, it's Luck of the Irish, but in the write-up, I have a link right to it. All you got to do is subscribe to it, and if you're one of the first 500 subscribers on his channel, you, you can win. That means your odds of winning are 1 in 125. That's a hell of a lot better than a lot of other contests out there. And you can take up to three people with you. You can have four anglers in the boat. That's a 400, because the extra two cost money. Like you get two for one price and there's an extra per angular. Um, that, that's a $475 value. And then the rod and reel, I don't know exactly what the rod and reel costs, uh, but... Uh, these are made by Six Gill, and it's high-end stuff. You get a rod and reel combo plus a trip. All you got to do is subscribe. You can trust Omar. If I trust him, you know you can trust him. And all you got to do is subscribe to his YouTube channel. And so make sure you do that because it's totally worth doing. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and talk about medical preparedness uh, with Bones and Amy. These guys are great today in spite of the one ass hat that I already warned you about. Uh, they stayed uh, long after. We did about an hour interview, and we did about 40 minutes of Q&A. Uh, they were gracious enough to stay behind and do. So this is a long podcast. And with that, hey, Bones and Amy, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Uh, what, so, Amy, wake him up. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, what's going on? Wake up. <laughs> hey, look, that's Jack Spearco. <laughs> hey, can I have your autograph? And they're right. Sign this. Apparently, when I send you guys a time, if you don't like it, you just edit it. That, that's fine. <laughs> we, we go by – we don't use base – I was base, on the half hours, not we, the whole hours. We don't use base yeah. 10. We use yeah. base 27. 27. Base 27. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll blame the, the universe for this one. But anyway, uh, welcome to another episode of the Survival Podcast. Um, you guys, of course, are on my expert council, so my audience is very familiar with you. We are live streaming to the interwebs today, though, as well. The so interweb. we are we are on three platforms. We're on Odyssey Float, and we are on, of course, YouTube. YouTube's where we'll see the comments best from the live audience, and uh, 
But we will, I will check over here on my other screen with Float and Odyssey from time to time. So you guys will get a chance to ask these folks some questions in a bit. Right now, I want to kick things off with, for those who have been under a rock or whatever and they don't know who Doc Bones and Nurse Amy are, tell us a little bit about just who you are and how you got into medicine and then why you kind of like, I guess, retired from primary practice and went into uh, helping people in the preparedness world. Well, I am a fellow of the American, my, my name is Joe Alton, MD, and I am a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, American College of OBGYN. Uh, delivered a lot of babies when I was young and uh, sort of morphed into doing more pelvic and abdominal surgery as I progressed. And I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. I'm Amy Alton. And uh, we've kind of been a team for... 25 years now? 25 years. <laughs> Seems like 250. 24-7. <laughs> um, so uh, we kind of got into this for a few different reasons. I mean, we um, did not live through Katrina, but we saw the devastation. And we thought, wow, you know, people are without electricity. They don't have food. They don't have water. But especially what hit us was that they didn't have any medical care. They didn't have a working system. They had no power. There were hospitals that were being overrun by gangs. And then, you know, we, we took that into account. We thought, wow, well, we need to start, you know, preparing ourselves. And then in 2009, we had the avian uh, bird pandemic. And so we thought, wow, well, if we combined, you know, this grid down situation that happened with Katrina with something that could hit worldwide. And I know none of you have ex ever experienced a pandemic and understood <laughs> a supply chain issue and not being able to get toilet paper, but but not only that, not being able to get medical supplies and not being able to get medical care, which, you know, all of us have experienced to one point or another, whether it's voluntary not getting medical care, because I know I've had at least two experiences, probably a couple or more in the past almost two years where I went to the front door of an emergency room to seek care and they would not let my husband in. So I went home. One of one time I did find, I called around, I found a hospital that was about an hour away and I went there because they would let him in. But people weren't seeking medical care. A lot of people didn't do cancer screenings. So we've had a true disruption, which is what Joe and I talked about in 2009 could happen. And that's why we started getting into this. We started writing. We started a blog. Right. What was that called? WordSpot. I don't know if anyone out there remembers WordSpot. Blogspot. Blogspot, yeah. Right. <laughs> and we were kind of inept in um, the whole website idea. But but the purpose was to get out information to take care of yourself if you were in any of these situations. And there's a, an unending list of things that could cause you to not be able to get medical care. Just something simple as not having your cell phone working and your you don't have any other people around you. You're kind of stuck. So it could be a long list of things. We started writing. And then there were these shows we found, which were survival and prepper shows. Right. And that's actually where we met Jack first. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think right. at the 2000, first. Wow. A, 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 a decade ago. Nine or a ten. A decade ago. That's um, sure. But that was one of our first. That was the, the first, first show. show. We it had to be way back because I remember you guys at probably not the first prepper expo I did, but like the second or third. And yeah. so that was really early on. That was like oh nine ten somewhere in there that you guys. It was. Were it was this. I believe it was in. It was. It was in Texas. Yes, it was in Texas. It in was Dallas. in Dallas. And we had a. We had a great time, and uh, that was run by George. Right. You remember George from uh, Survivalist Jack, Jack, magazine. Jack, you remember George? I remember Ron. 
George, George was the first one. George okay. arranged this. Yeah, Ron was the guy from. Survivor. We won't talk about Ron because I don't talk about people if I can't be nice. <laughs> you know what they say: if you That's can't fair. say something nice, don't say anything. No at wonder all. you haven't said anything about me recently. So, yeah. so um, anyway, we started going around to these shows and speaking and, and writing on our our blog spot. And um, it sort of morphed into people saying, well, you know, you're telling us a lot of information. We're giving presentations that would last an hour. Uh, we would really like you to put this in a book. And we're like, what? We never even thought of it. So all the articles that people were printing out and kind of organizing, um, we did the same thing. And and through that very first book, wow, that was kind of overwhelming. Because that was basically writing something that. That's what the first book looks like. Yeah. Can you hold it up? Um, it was basically writing something that had not been written before. I mean, there's lots of first aid books. There's lots of um, military books on, on trauma, but none of them talked about, okay, you just can't get to a hospital or, or no one's getting to you. And so a fracture is going to turn into a bedridden patient and somebody who needs long-term care and then maybe physical therapy or, or how to use a cane or a walker and how to recover. So, we had to really think through not just home care, but full recovery, um, how to get medications without prescriptions. Right. Uh, we searched and we, we figured out that our fish antibiotics were actually the same thing as human antibiotics, which is probably a topic for another show. Um, we were uh, concerned about expiration dates because, again, if these things weren't being produced, if the whole system was down, which is what we were envisioning, manufacturing, trucking, um, you know, all, all this manufacturing just they weren't going to come back you weren't going to suddenly find these things on the shelf the next day when society returned so expiration dates were another thing we researched and we right. put it into a book and then kept pretty writing novel, <laughs> pretty novel stuff and it's stuff that not too many doctors or, or nurse practitioners are willing to talk about right if modern medicine uh, is gone for good right and then we, and we started integrating herbal medicine which was interesting for us because we were growing these things already. So we were recently that. And, um, you know, just we, we've had a lot of fun, and it's turned into uh, now another book. Right. right. <laughs> Talk about some of the differences between what y'all are teaching and what you typically hear from, like, uh, a paramedic or an ER doctor or something like that. I mean, I get what you're saying, because when I was in the Army, uh, I went through a course called Combat Lifesavers. And it's not really a medic course. It's more of a triage and get them out course, but even the medics, right, their whole deal was to keep you alive on the battlefield till the helicopter came. It was right. always about how do I keep this person alive and not make the damage worse until I can put them into a higher level of care and I'm out, right? So guy's got a sucking chest wound, wrap a poncho liner around him, pray over him and, 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 and mark him so somebody can get his ass out and go to the next person. That's kind of the stuff I was trained with. And that that's useful but, like, it doesn't say, well, what do you do next? Well, you, what you do next is pop smoke and hope a bird comes, right? And that's – so a lot of people, I think – I think a lot of people that think about, like, military medical training and all think that's adequate. Uh, and I'm not saying it's not useful. It's, it's damn useful. But it has it has a point that it terminates. And what y'all are trying to teach people how to deal with is maybe it's a week, two, three. You can't, you can't get anywhere. During the big ice storm that hit back about the time we met, uh, somewhere maybe a little after that, the one that stretched from Texas to like New York, there were people oh, yeah. that were snowed in yeah, and iced in for two to three weeks. Now, if somebody like, happens to have a serious injury or ailment during that period of time, even though there will be a higher level of care eventually, 
there isn't now. And you have to make them comfortable, keep them from getting infections, whatever, until then. So how do you all approach that? Well, I got to tell you that most of the folks that are are emergency professionals and and ER docs and things like that, the things that they do and the things things that they that you're supposed to know are very, very useful. And these guys are absolutely worth their weight in gold in just about every situation. But they're not thinking outside the box when it comes to longer term issues, things in which you are sort of stranded and not have no access to hospitals or other medical facilities. I mean, we don't have to worry about that. We can think further on and sort of take that equation and extrapolate it to the next level because, well, we're tired. We don't have to hold back because we're scared that we're going to lose our licenses. And that's a real concern for a lot of these younger younger doctors and uh, a lot of uh, emergency personnel. I mean, you really can't. They really can't go outside the conventional wisdom without getting into a lot of trouble. They have to stick to either basic medical stuff or maybe they'll go into some quasi medical things that uh, don't really have a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lo- a lot of controversy, controversy. Right, right. Exactly. To them I also want to say one thing about what you're talking about is, you know, you have your, your EMT or your paramedic who's initially at the trauma. And then that passes on to the people who are in the ambulance, you know, and that which could be, you know, different people. Right. And then those people pass that patient on to the emergency room staff. And now there's an emergency room staff, emergency room nurse, and then those people pass it on to possibly an ICU or trauma unit right. or maybe a, a, a bed on the floor. And then possibly that person's transferred to a rehab right. or even home. So you may have take, segments right, of, of exactly. education. And, and let's take, and that is perfectly reasonable, a, a perfectly right reasonable <laughs> strategy for today. When right. we see today, when we see someone on the street who needs medical help, our goal is to what? To stabilize them and to transport them to the next highest medical right, resource. Right, exactly. But what if something happened and there is no higher medical resource than you? It sounds outlandish. And there are times, however, when even even normal times, you know, Hurricane Katrina or uh, after maybe a, a bad tornado or flooding, things like that, where people can't get to you, where the ambulance is not necessarily heading in your direction where there's not a rescue helicopter on the horizon where you might just be the highest medical asset left. And that could mean the difference between life and death. And when that happens, well, you need someone to help you along on the road to that level of medical preparedness. And we believe that you can be that person out there. Even without medical education. Well, you know, I mean, we we want to get... offer that medical education right. and impart, impart it and basically make that person effective in the role. Okay, what I meant is not professional medical, medical education. Oh, I see. All right, okay. <laughs> then I'll just go okay. to school for the 12 years that you went to. Right. Now, you're not going to become a doctor, obviously, reading right. these. Right, and these it's, not all, it's not all just <laughs> conventional stuff, too. You know, I mean, after the zombie apocalypse, you know, you're off the grid, and, and that means – yeah, you're looking for alternatives, no matter right. if you have supplies at one point or another, if it's a long-term thing, your supplies are going to run out. And so you have to look towards alternatives. So we moved beyond our conventional medical training and started looking at other options that might work in times of trouble. So, 
Like right now where we have the brain dead new governor of New York who's going to end up terminating some between 70 and 80,000 medical professionals. And her plan is she's going to bring in the New York National Guard to, to make up the difference. Well, that seemed a little weird to me with what I know about the military. And I was like, I wonder how many medical personnel there are in the National Guard. Well, there's a couple problems there. The first problem is National Guard are citizen soldiers. So if you're a medical person, professional in the National Guard, you're probably also a medical professional in the civilian world in New York. So that's kind of a zero sum game at best, or it could be a negative game if you're also, you know, getting fired. The other side of it is, do you know how many national, I don't know how many professional medical, you know, medical professionals are in the New York National Guard. Do you know how many National Guardsmen there are in New York? 16,000. Right. So how you're going to replace 70,000 medical professionals with 16,000 people, most of whom, you know, know how to work on trucks or clean guns or something like that. I don't know where you even think that's going to work. How about, and, a, how about a field medic? Let's look at this, this Jack. How about a field medic, combat medic, one of the highest medical assets that you could possibly wish to have. Now, what do you do with that field medic when he's presented with a kid that's sick that's five years old? He has no idea. Or presented with somebody like me who's like, you know, just about ready to keel over. Geriatric, drooling on himself. What are we going to do? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, I have to smack my. When when I saw that article, when I saw her her grand plan, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, (laughs) I I don't know how many hours we talked about this, but you're right, Jack. It's, It's an absurd solution to take somebody who is probably not trained in any way, shape, or form to be a nurse or a doctor or even an emergency room nurse or even a medical assistant on a floor. You just have no idea. I guarantee you most of those people don't even know how to do a bed bath, which would be a simple thing and would help medical professionals, would help the nurses, because if you've got someone who can't get out of bed, you got to clean them. So even simple things like that, they can't even do that. That... That took. A few I guess my point is, even if they were all medical professionals, you can't replace eighty thousand people with sixteen thousand people. No, I mean the, the, there's just there's a huge list. Right. I know they have new math now, but I don't. Yeah. I don't so, think that. so even if they were the same they profession, if they're being pulled from some other New York hospital, how is that helping you? Now you're decreasing the staff at the other hospital. There's there's an unending list of problems with with her solution, but you know. She's the first female New York governor, so woohoo. <laughs> hey, but we got rid of Como, right? Oh, I mean, that's like, we got that rid of Como, right? It, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not saying he might not have done the same thing. Who knows? But, uh, I know when everybody cheered, I was like, well, I don't, I'm, you know, it's one of those things like, see you, don't let the door hit you in the ass, but at the same time, I hope you don't think this is going to make things any better. Right. Because it's the fire in the frying pan. I mean, what's the overall state of modern medicine today, in y'all's opinion? Um, I think it's kind of a disaster. COVID kind of, to me, it showcases it. For instance, as y'all know, Dorothy and I had COVID uh, a couple months ago. Dorothy ended up severely dehydrated. Fortunately, we had a private company that, that came out here, gave her fluids and some vitamins and stuff like that. I talked to an EMT. He, he worked out of the ER he went to. He ended up dehydrated. He's the one that actually suggested to us she probably was. He said he had to go three times and pretty much threaten people to get fluids because they said, get this, um, fluids are not a treatment for COVID. 
but they are a fucking treatment, I'm sorry, for dehydration, right? So you have a dehydrated patient, you give them fluids. And so, like, having that knowledge that we could get a hydration company to come do that, you know, they're usually showing up at bachelorette parties and stuff like that to to prime people so they can drink a lot more or whatever. (laughs) But they were here in an hour, and, and we got way better care from a guy that was actually a prior service Army medic uh, then we probably would have gotten, uh, had we, we gone to an ER and we paid less money for it. I, I, I think that's, I, I'm all for free market solutions, but I think that's a shame that, that that's the, cause how many people would one know to do that? And two, if you're in Dallas or you guys are in Miami area, like if we need to do that, Phoenix, Arizona, I had a guy reach out to me. He runs a company that does this. Like every major city in the country today, you have that option. If you're in Jabip, you know, Arkansas or something like that, uh, West Texas, whatever, if you're in a town that's, you know, less than a couple million people, you probably don't even have that option. So what kind of state are we in and what can we do about it? Well, I think from my standpoint, I look at it from the standpoint of a physician and what is happening in today's world with regards to modern medicine involves the loss of independence of medical medical uh, professionals mm-hmm. and for my end do- as a doctor i see other doctors now younger doctors that live in fear of the medical legal establishment i mean it seems to be on far end of the one political spectrum you know certainly some people can deny that but i believe that that's the case before politics wasn't as big a deal in medicine a medic cared for an enemy as well as their own people and that has changed. Most medical experts seem to be cut from the same cloth now. And I think that that's something that really has affected this, as as you say, the state of modern medicine. There's not much in the way of free thinking. And what happens exactly, is... Exactly. You know, I was just going to say something about that. And I'm glad you just mentioned that, is that they're stuck into these protocols. And that's exactly what happened to your friend, Jack. Is he went to the hospital and they said, Oh, you have COVID. And so they got out their little piece of paper that said COVID and IV hydration was not on that list. There was probably a whole bunch of very expensive things on that list, but hydration happened to not be on that particular list. Now that doesn't mean it wasn't logical that that person should have hydration, but they were thinking I can only follow this list. If I don't follow this list, I'm going to get sued. And there's punishment. That's what you're talking about. I think it's two things. I think it's punishment, lawsuit. That's part of it. But I think the other part of it is person walks into an ER hospital right now, positive for COVID. You do the things on the list, hospital gets paid. Period. Yeah. Period. Doesn't matter. P- patient dies. Freaking alien baby comes out of them and starts eating other people. You did the stuff on the list. You followed the protocol. The, the government's paying the bill. Yeah. You do anything off the list. Patient has to pay the bill. Sometimes patients don't pay their bills. And so you probably have hospital administrators saying, do the thing. As soon as they're COVID, do everything you can do on this list first. So I think my gut is we have people being admitted to hospitals, contributing to the hospital number. Let's put aside the people that go in for something else and test positive for COVID, and now they're a COVID-positive hospital patient. But people that are being admitted for COVID symptoms are people like that, that don't know about the option because if you stay dehydrated long enough, guess what you're going to get when you're at a hospital? You're going to get admitted. So I think that there's a lot of like not treating the symptoms and rather following this protocol. We're upping that hospital number. And I don't like to be a, you know, conspiracy theorist or anything, but 
You have a time when hospitals, because of um, shortages they've created for themselves by firing people, have less ER, uh, ICU space. So there's less surgeries that they can do. So that's their big money. And now they're making less money. But if I admit Amy and Bones and, and, and you know, give them some rendezivir and pump, pump some IV fluids in them, let them sit in a room for three or four days while they recover, every doctor that looks in the door with his mask on can bill an hour. I can bill for all that shit, and I'm going to get paid. And yeah. I think people... And institutions act in their best interest, and right now their best interest is to put as many COVID-positive people as they can into their hospital and bill as much as they can because the government the government sucks, but it always pays its bills, and the money is always green. Absolutely. So I, I want to think about this a little bit. I mean, you've, got, you've got it, I think, spot on with regards to the financial aspects of the way that these protocols are working. And I think that there's also more more to it than just that. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of limited ability to be able to actually mention alternatives to what you're talking about. I mean, to lesser lesser uh, interventions, let's say. Right. And, and you know, if you mention COVID on uh, Facebook, let's say Big Brother will monitor you for this information. Will make a an honest discussion, almost impossible. I mean, uh, I wrote an article just recently about uh, a new virus called Nipah virus in uh, India that has the potential to become an epidemic one day. Well, you know, I put up an article and sure enough, the second that I put it up, a warning came up saying this article contains the word COVID in it and indeed did not allow me to share it to anywhere but my own pages. And so even and though I have a lot of groups. And it wasn't even about COVID. And I have a lot of the groups point, that post asked me to post these right, articles. Right. And it was a article about an entirely different virus. I used one once the word COVID as comparison. So it's just amazing the kind of things that are happening. And, we can, and I'm talking about it from politically. We can Jack have a is, whole show about Jack is talking about censoring. Jack completely agrees with you, by the way. I'm giving one half there. I think you've got the other half spot on. It's why whenever I'm doing anything that's going to circulate anywhere, I, I don't call it COVID anymore. I call it COVIDs. Right? <laughs> COVID. Because, because it doesn't trip the filter when you do that. And that's, that's one of the reasons I do it. I also think it creates immune deficiency. So it's unfortunately maybe a little bit accurate, but you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. If you look what's going on with ivermectin and it seems coordinated with me, it's not just the medical establishment and like the Pfizer's of the world. It's the media. When you have the media going, it's horse, it's horse medication. It's horse medication. It's horse medication. It's like that is one of the most dishonest arguments. I would call it ignorant or stupid, but I don't believe it's either one. No. Right? I believe right. they know exactly what they're doing. Yes. You have a medication that the guy that, that found it, created it, made it available, won the Nobel Prize for in 2015 for treatment of humans. So we call it horse, but we call it horse wormer, right? Or horse paste or whatever. Horse dewormer, so, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so Pfizer has a therapeutic that's in its final trials right now. And people like me are calling it Pfizer, uh, Pfizer because the thing that actually seems to make it worse is work is very similar to the active, uh, component of ivermectin that seems to make it effective. Jack, right? Jack this medicine, you don't have to get horse paste or whatever. And that's, and that's a word, by the way, those two, two words are specifically put together to deter the average citizen from considering it anything but nutso stuff. 
Right. Okay. And I don't recognize, I don't recommend using horse paste or, you know, the, the, and it does ec- come in a paste. Equine. Yeah. Equine. <laughs> let, me, ec- let me tell you, let me say this. It, it equine, actually does. <laughs> equine ivermectin in normal times. But the reason why is because there's a human version that is FDA approved for things that you've never heard of, strongyloides and oncocerciasis. And, uh, you can use it even for scabies. Uh, and there are a lot of doctors that would write prescriptions for the human version if the medical KGB wasn't monitoring the stuff and, and, and the social media wasn't monitoring the stuff and basically telling the doctors that do, I mean, that they run the, the, the risk of being further monitored, marginalized and, and from reputation wise, uh, maimed really. I mean, you have to go to certain places to find them, but there are places to find them. The frontline COVID critical care alliance has a big website, has a bunch, a lot, a lot of information. information. I have some here so much so that I can't remember all of it. And, and they have even a list. I mean, they have a, a page that's called get ivermectin and it indeed has a list of all sorts of doctors that with, with simple tele visit, telemedicine visit that costs about, I think 75 bucks or so on the average. Yeah. Would be happy to prescribe it for people that, you know, are concerned about COVID-19. However, so these things do exist. They do. And, Let me just, and you don't have to go to the equine stuff. No. If you don't want to. But the, the, another problem with the people who are prescribing that we've been hearing is that they're running into issues with the, um, Gestapo, uh, pharmacies. Yes. Right. And the, the pharmacies. pharmacies. Right. Yeah. Pharmacies I've heard that too. Pharmacies. I've got listeners that got prescriptions from their doctor for yeah. ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, went to the pharmacist and the pharmacist says they refuse to fill it. Yes. Which, which I find to be criminal, by the way. I right? do too. Because you're refusing to fill a prescription written legally by a physician. And we're not talking about you watch some guy walk in who's twicking and, and, you know, he's got like the prescription version of meth that he's asking for. Yeah. We're talking about two medications that are among the safest, correct me if I'm wrong, but among the safest medications that exist for humans to take on the planet that are used around the world. In fact, in much of the world are over-the-counter medications. Right. Exactly. And, and they are effective. I've got pages upon pages of, of studies, and and they say some of these aren't peer-reviewed. Well, there are about 14 of them that are. That indeed well, and, Okay, here's my thing with the peer-reviewed shit. That's not the fault of the person that published the study. That's the fault of no. the peers that failed to review it because they don't want to, right? They don't, they don't want, they don't want oh, to be involved. It's not valid. Right? Why don't you get your peers together and why don't you review it and why don't you have rigorous academic debate about it instead of just saying, oh, it's not peer-reviewed. That's a problem. Because it's politics. Because it's politics. I want to People talk about this. can't me... get the politics out, and I will let you speak. <laughs> she's she's awesome. She she, ah! <laughs> she she's the brains and I'm, oh stop. I'm the beauty. Go ahead, baby. Face. You can speak. Uh, I just want to say I, I am so glad you mentioned that, Jack, because following the science. You ever, I, I hear that all the time. Fire, follow the science. Follow the science. And I think that's a lot of so much crap because following the science is very tricky. I mean, the government often makes the claim that it's following the science when it comes to COVID-19, but what a few people what very few people realize is that the extent to which science may be manipulated to match a particular agenda is pretty incredible. I mean, instead of survival of the fittest data, it's survival of the fittest data that matches a narrative or an agenda. Right. You know, politicians, faith, I have to say, politicians' faith in the opinions of 
conventional medical experts. Let's call them that. It serves a purpose. It separates the politicians from getting the blame for faulty recommendations. You know why? My gosh, we we are following the science. What happened? The the medical expert, however, they they have a certain their their viewpoint is entirely different. What's the medical expert wanting to do? They're conceived. I'm talking about idealistic good people that are medical experts that want to end the pandemic. They're concerned about preventing every single outcome, bad outcome that can occur from the presence of a virus in a country. And that means they're going to recommend the measures that are strict enough, so strict that they'll achieve that goal. Every single bad outcome, avoiding those every single bad outcome, even if it means putting every citizen in their own personal bubble. I mean, they're working. They're like worried. Australia? Yeah. Right, like, like Just Australia. like Australia. They're worried of being accused of having blood on their hands if they don't. Now, maybe it's due to some cases of idealistic, but I, I think in practical motives. In other cases, these motives are used as hedges against the kind of civil liability that doctors are under these days. I mean, it's a great time to be a lawyer, but not such a great time to be a doctor. And uh, in the worst case scenarios, I think experts may cynically recommend strict measures to wear down the citizens' support of government. We saw that happen right here in the United States. And remember that what former mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, once said, he said, you never want to let a serious crisis go to waste. And that's exactly what happened here. If you don't have a crisis, create one, because that's what I feel has happened here. I, I will give everybody a pass on the first 60 days of this. Um, I followed it since the pre-beginning. We didn't know the Chinese had these videos of people falling over in the street. People like me said, that shit's fake as hell. And then, of course, you know, we were called conspiracy theorists. But I was still like, we don't really know. Like, if this thing ends up with like a 5% death rate on the law of large numbers, we're going to have the kind of problems the government's created here. This never had to be this bad. And now they're like doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on their decisions. Yes. Um, I, I have still yet to see a professional level debate on the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And when I say professional level, I mean two at least MDs, PhDs like that, well-informed, each taking the opposing side, professionally debate, not as talking head screeching on CNN and then one screeching on Fox News. I have yet to see that. I don't know how you can call anything science if you don't have rigorous academic debate about it. And to me, like, I don't know, Bones, I know you were mostly a surgeon and things like that. So, but you, you know, you had to go through the same type of internship and, 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 and all a residency that any doctor did. And so you've been around a while and I don't know. Again, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know of another time in history that doctors were prohibited or interfered with in prescribing a medication in what's known as off-label. If I came to you and I had a particular problem, and let's say it was a, a disease that was causing inflammation and there was a protocol for that disease, but my inflammation was in some way unique and you thought, you know what, maybe inhaled cortical steroid will help or whatever it was. As long as it was an FDA-approved medication for humans and you wanted to prescribe it, nobody got in the way of it. This, If it ever happened before, tell me, but I think this is the first time it's ever happened. Uh, I actually personally prescribed off-label medications when I was a nurse practitioner. Uh, we would have people come in with something called a PCOS and they would have problems getting pregnant. 
polycystic ovarian syndrome. And they would have cysts on their ovaries and they have difficulties ovulating and difficulties getting pregnant. I read a study back in 1996 that metformin, which is a diabetic medication, controls sugars, would fix metabolic syndrome, which contributed to this polycystic ovarian syndrome, would help fix it, and people would ovulate and get pregnant. I started prescribing it for my patients who wanted to get pregnant, who had polycystic ovarian disease. They got pregnant, their periods regulated, and their cysts went away. I did that for eight years until we stopped practicing. And it was never FDA approved. Now I read studies. I mean, literally like two, three years ago. Hey, wow, we're really finding that metformin might be great for PCOS. I was doing this in 1996, 1997 and on. I'll give you another example. <laughs> when people. But no one interfered with me at the pharmacy. Right. Us obstetricians have issues with women sometimes coming in premature labor. And sometimes it can be very tragic if the baby is so early that it either can't survive or it needs incredible interventions to survive. There was a anti-asthma medicine called Ritadrine and Ritadrine basically relaxed the air passages, which are comprised of what's called smooth muscle uh, and is relaxed. It relaxed that smooth muscle. What they didn't realize until a, couple, a few years later is that it relaxed another smooth muscle, and that was the uterus. And so a uterus that's at 23 weeks contracting regularly, you can give them this asthma medicine, and indeed it slowed down or right. stopped the uh, pre uh, the labor altogether. And so this happens all the time that doctors use medicines off-label, and this is the first time that I've seen such stringent um Criticism or such criticism and such ma so many mandates against the ability to for a doctor to use the art of medicine uh, and and stick to a one a narrow narrow narrative and narrow protocol that indeed you know really makes us if at best technicians and so that's, that's what, what I, I a little skip there but. Um, do you guys ever see this going back to the way it was before? Like, do we ever get through this, past this, or is this a forever <laughs> thing? Or yeah. do we get a bifurcation? I, you know, if they really, like, they said they're going to fire these 70,000, 80,000 people in New York. I think they're, they were pushing to see, can we make them blink? They didn't blink, right? It wasn't like 80,000 people got uh, vaccines in New York yesterday to keep their jobs. There is a point where these mandates and things like this, okay, you don't want all the unvaccinated people in your hospital, your hospital's going to close, or your hospital's going to be half its size. You don't want all the unvaccinated people making cars in your factory, your factory can't make cars anymore. So then there ends up being in, in you know, what's left of a free market, a place for somebody like me to say, I'll, I'll start a hospital, I'll hire people that have vaccines or don't have vaccines. I don't care, right? I'll take care of patients that have them or don't have them. I don't care. We'll take care of everybody. Like, do we see that bifurcation? Do we eventually see, like, to me, we're kind of seeing a point where we're getting to a point where I think we're going to have enough innate immunity in the population that the even the, the small portion that have the fear reaction should shrink over time. Right. And it becomes something like the flu that Norway's already calling at. If you get there, do they keep it on life support, basically put COVID on life support? Because they seem to like this. I, I mean, what happens next? So you just have about 14 different issues in there. 
<laughs> and I'd love to address each and every one of them for about 30 minutes, but let's try to sum this up. So uh, honestly, the answer is no. Life is not going back to the way it was. But, you know, honestly, life never goes back to the way it was. I'd like it to be how it was when I was a kid. Uh, better music in the 80s. So it's not going back to the way it was. Um, there are people who have been so traumatized. And I really feel this is almost like a PTSD, not to take away from military people who have been in serious trauma, but this is a form of PTSD um, by brainwashing and by fear and fear, fear, fear mongering all day long on the television, by other people, by your neighbors, by people you see in the grocery store who are, you know, horrified that you might have your mask off or you forgot to put your mask on and screamed at and removed from airplanes and, and taken off buses and prevented from getting on on transportation um and and these poor kids i i'm sorry if people want their children to wear masks if you want your kids to wear masks that's your choice it's your kid but the principal and the teacher and the mayor and the governor should not tell you that your kid has to wear a mask because honestly the risk of these little kids getting seriously sick from covid is is ridiculously low ridiculously let's be honest it's it is for all practical purposes fucking zero that's yes. what it is it's zero if your kid has like molt like 500 different things wrong with them maybe but like a normal healthy child it's fucking zero it, it really okay. is and you know i i understand that there's been i don't know 26 kids or something that's that have died in this i don't know there Some, may have been a couple hundred kids there are more a lot of them with a lot of them with comorbidities right. what they call com, comorbidities i'll tell you this this is why i don't believe it was a single one that was healthy with no pre-existing conditions that would if, if that kid existed they would be the poster child for it right now you'd be seeing their face every day on right, your TV right. so I haven't seen one yet, so I don't believe one exists. Right, right, right. It would uh, be, honest. you know, COVID victim Justin, eight years old, his, his young life snuffed out because we don't have a vaccine mandate. Okay, Amy's pissed off now. And they, uh, they tried to do it, but every time they did it, when you actually investigated the death in the child, they had like four or five pre-existing conditions, like multiple organ failure, childhood lymphoma, like one one in Florida that died when we were there hanging out with y'all when this all first started. Um, the, 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 the girl was already in like hospice care or something like that. And like, to me, that's disingenuous. And I, I do think it is a fear-based thing. And I think that you and you guys and, and, and me and my family and the people that live around me, I don't even think we have a full appreciation for the level of fear and what they've done to people because we happen to live in states that have not completely lost their minds. Right. But, like the difference between my life and your life and somebody that lives in New York or Pennsylvania right now is extreme. I, I have to tell you here in Texas, there might be some employer mandates and something spotty here and there, but day to day when you go out about your life, except for the occasional mastard, you wouldn't even know that anything was different. And then you go one or two states over and it's absolute insanity. Absolute and insanity. to me, that's our only hope because in time, eventually you're going to have to say, well, they're not all dead over there, you know, but I, I don't know. The fear seems very, very strong. It's the very fear. strong, okay. and not only is it, I'm sorry, not only is it very strong, but the government itself is promulgating that fear by instituting all these vaccine mandates. I mean, it's happening and it's occurring in all aspects of society. You're going to need, uh, proof of vaccine, your vaccine passport, let's call it. Oh. 
you know, to work at any big company, hundred, uh, hundred or more. And that was a, a recent Biden thing. Biden's angry and he's motivated. And so he signed a series of, of new regulatory mandates. Uh, one from uh, OSHA, as a matter of fact, which directs business, the businesses that have a uh, hundred employees to have vaccination, just a condition. You have to be vaccinated just to have a just to be employed. You can't even apply there without without it. You need your papers, your documents, please. You know, and the OSHA mandate, honestly, in my opinion, exceeds the authority that Congress gave the agency in the first place. And if the president can order private companies to dictate terms of employment, you know, I, his power to force citizens in the name of public health to do things like this might well be unlimited. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, the whole this is even right happened, right? I don't know if you guys know, but yesterday, Paskey, who I call Deadhead Red, was questioned about the I whole I have a ocean. much worse word for her. It begins with a C and ends with a Zilla. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, she was asked about, well, where's the OSHA mandate? And she said the White House doesn't actually know what it's going to say, if it's going to say, if it's ever going to happen. So I'm wondering if it's another head fake like the whole thing in New York because – Far as I know, so far, I haven't heard anything to the contrary yet. Nobody actually got fired. I think there's a point, like, where they're trying to, like, intimidate as much compliance as they can get, but I don't know if they're willing to come across the board because do you want to – maybe they do. Do you want a civil war? Right. How you get it? I will die on this hill. Like, this is this – is, like, people have always asked me, what is your point where you will not allow further encroachment? We're getting there. We're yeah. getting there. They're pushing it so much and the, and what they're doing to the kids. And now you, you can't fly and you can't, and everyone who works in a hospital. And now this whole thing with the vaccination mandate. I mean, I was horrified when I saw him say that because I've been watching. He refuses to watch because it makes him too mad. I mean, it makes me mad too. I'm yelling at the television. But when he mm -hmm. said, yes, a hundred people in, in any company must get vaccinated. I'm like, who are you to tell these private businesses that they got to have their employees vaccinated? What if these people are, are picking greens outside or, or they're truckers and they're by themselves in their cars? Who are you to tell people? Well, they freaking had COVID. They, uh, exactly. We haven't even talked about natural immunity is better than a vaccination. There is no Flat power out. of science if you're going to ignore natural immunity. Natural There's immunity. None is better than vaccinations. And frankly, at this point, since the vaccinations have proven that they don't stop you from getting sick and they don't stop transmission, which now they got, oh, the vaccinated people are afraid of the unvaccinated. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe the unvaccinated should be more afraid of you because you won't even know you have it. You go to work with it and you give it to the unvaccinated person who's unaware that you're sick and you're the one who's given it to them. I just read an article that's classic Fenord. You focus on the thing you want to draw people's attention to, but then, like, it's not even a good Fenord anymore, and it's not even good disinformation. It was in Wales, and that's in the U.K., for those that don't know. And it said that in Wales right now, a full third of the people in the hospital for COVID are unvaccinated. Well, to me, that first of all means that a full two-thirds are. But the interesting thing was when I looked up the vaccination rate for Wales, it's 65%. Now, again, I know there's new math and all, but I'm thinking that it pretty much works out to a proportional of the whole. If about two-thirds are vaccinated and about a third isn't, and then you have a relativity of, of like, the number of people in hospitals being two-thirds, one-third, 
proportional that it just seems like you have an ineffective vaccine. And maybe I don't want to completely say it didn't work at all. Maybe it did work on the alpha variant, but it doesn't seem like it does jack squat on the, you know, the, uh, what is it? The, the, the Delta, Delta variant or the Mu variant and or the, the, the Ligma variant. Some people know that joke, the Ligma variant, right? Like, or the Lambda variant or whatever. Um, it doesn't seem like it works anymore because I don't know if you guys learned this in medical school, but friggin' viruses mutate. Oh, they actually yeah. change over time. Yeah. And, and if you make a vaccine with one piece of the virus instead of the totality of the virus, and then the, you know, maybe if that one piece mutates, then your body doesn't recognize it as a pathogen anymore. You're That's killing crazy. us. This is what we've been talking about since well, 2009. We've been talking. Viruses mutate and there's going to be one strain that comes out. And by the way, every single time it gets into a human body and it replicates, every one of those replicate replications pretty much has some teeny little mutation. You know why? Because this virus is not great at being a photocopier. It's an RNA virus. It RNA viruses are notoriously bad at replicating themselves in, no, in terms of keeping the same genetic the same, composition. So as it They're mutates. They're great at replicating, right. but just not at staying so every the same. copy is different. They found one person. They actually did, um, you know, check, checked out the, the strand. They found 14 different mutations came out of this one person. One person. Think of the millions and millions of people who have had this. The millions and billions of mutations that have already occurred. Now, the only reason we hear about the Delta is because that happened to be the one that got into another person. Because apparently that person either didn't know they had it or they didn't isolate themselves or whoever was taking care of them didn't isolate and take care of themselves, whatever. It jumped. And then it jumped and jumped and jumped and jumped and jumped because it's more contagious, it's going to take over. Well, we may find the next one is not only more contagious, but maybe slightly, I don't know, deadlier. Hopefully not, because what's the purpose of life? To procreate and to remain on this earth. That is why every living thing is here. From trees to to animals, we're animals too. Everything, viruses, bacteria, protozoa, everything is here to maintain life and to always be here. So, if the virus does become too deadly, it will kill its host and may not have a chance to jump. So we're hoping that it becomes less deadly and it may become even more contagious, which means, folks, we are never, ever going to get rid of this virus. It will be here to the ends of Earth when the sun and the and the Earth come too close together or until this Earth is destroyed by something else. We will have this virus. It is never, ever going to go away. What we've got to do is learn to live with it, learn to accept it. we got to go through those grief stages. We're all pissed off because our lives are changed. And then we're all mad. And then we're we're grieving. We've got to come to acceptance at some point. And the acceptance is it's here. Make a personal choice for yourself, a personal responsibility do I want to take it? Wait a second. Do I want to take a chance to get COVID and become better immune? Or do I want to hide in my house and, and play hide and seek with COVID for the rest of my life and, and, and not live my life? So you got to make a choice. Do you live your life and deal with COVID? And hopefully you've got a good immune system. You've taken care of yourself. You're not 98 years old or have you know, 14 different problems. If you have 14 different problems or you're 98 years old, then 
wear a mask. You know, don't go to places that you think there's big crowds. Don't go on an airplane if you're afraid. You don't do those things. But don't tell me that I can't do those things. Absolutely. When I don't have those problems, and Absolutely. I'm not afraid of it. Let me live my life. And you people well, tell And get me. out of the way of therapeutics at work. I mean, we had we had hydroxychloroquine. Not saying how it ended up here or anything, but uh, we did. And when we knew we had COVID, we started taking it. And, and the turnaround was almost immediate. It was we never developed any serious respiratory uh, symptoms. The only, the only respiratory anything that I had was actually when the virus was clear because we had the home test kits and it was at the very end when I felt fine. If I took a really, 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 really deep breath, that last, like last little bit you could take in, it had a little bit of a burn to it, like a weird, weird burn. I mean, I've, people don't think it exists. They think it's fake. Everything's a lie. I think they're out of their minds. I've had colds and flus, You know, I'm 50 years old throughout my whole life here and there. I've had them and it was the weirdest illness. It wasn't bad for us at all. It was just weird and it, it was different and shit happens. I mean, I think they engineered this in a lab myself. I think that's what happened. You know, uh, it either did or it, it either did or it didn't, but it's here now. And we've never shut down society for a disease before, but as pandemics go, This is one of the most minor diseases as far as lethality that humankind's ever run into. When there were a hell of a lot less people on this planet, smallpox took out over, you know, best estimates, something like a hundred million freaking people well, over, sure. over, and, and, and that's, yeah. that's low. We all know that's low because it wiped out pretty much North and South America and we don't even know what the populations were here. Right. So like this is, if you're not old or sick already, Your odds that it's going to put you in a hospital are very, very, very low. And, even if you, and if you end up in a hospital, your odds of dying are still low. Exactly. Unless right? they put you on a ventilator and then over they're kill your you. lungs. I then they're going to kill say, you. And I yes. just want to say, we have been through this before, and we, we have been through much worse, as Jack says, 1918, 1919, in the same period of time that we've had COVID with us, the Spanish flu knocked out 50 to A hundred million people. I mean, dead. hundred yep. million people dead. Yep. A lot lower population on the planet as well. And if you think yeah, well, mask, if you think right. mask Karens are new, I did some reading about the Spanish flu. They had mask Karens, mask tards back during the Spanish flu. I, I don't want to dig deep into that one, but I, I, I think the idea that a surgical mask or a cloth over your face can prevent the spread of a virus is the most stupid claim that I've ever heard made. I, I, I don't buy it. Uh, there's a reason you guys recommended like the, the really high end masks and stuff in your pandemic book, because if you actually have a serious pandemic, we had something with a 10% death rate or something like that, right? Exactly. That's like, a whole different you know, story. You're looking at like N95 or above, right? This right. idea, like Joe, you were a surgeon, a surgeon wears a mask during surgery to prevent the spread of bacteria into a wound. If you right. thought you had a contagious virus and you had a surgery scheduled that day, You wouldn't do the freaking right. surgery, right? You wouldn't be like, oh, I got my mask, got the mask on. There is the, See? For those on the audio, Amy's got a mask. Teddy bear. Demonstration, a little I, teddy bear. I would, with re this. I would reschedule. Right, exactly. Well, obviously. obviously. And But the and the whole point of the mask is those are N95s. Those are different. Or we have the surgical procedure masks, which are thicker. And But the surgical procedure masks are not enough. And they're not meant to stop viruses. They're, not, they're, they're basic protection. But right. if you have somebody who 
you are definitely dealing with you are the caregiver at home or the world is you know, the zombie apocalypse has come and this this particular pandemic came around after we were knocked off the grid and thrown back to the 19th century those kinds of masks would be something that would be saving a lot of lives in in today's in today's world then Honestly, let less these cloth masks that you can buy and or a bandana. My favorite's when somebody walks in into Home Depot and they take their bandana that's been sitting on their neck all day long, sweaty and disgusting, and they pull it up, and you know that that thing has not been washed in weeks. Right. And they're just pulling the bandana. Or the best one is when they just put it over their mouth. Why bother, folks? If you're gonna wear a mask, wear a mask. If you're not going to put it over your nose and your mouth, don't bother because you're still breathing in and out. If you're sick, you're breathing it out. And if you're not sick, you're breathing it in. So over your mouth is ridiculous. And and pulling your mask off like this, basically, where where are the viruses that, let's say, the viruses did you were stopped by the particular mask? Well, where are the viruses hanging out that couldn't get in? They're hanging out in the front of the mask. But I see all sorts of people going like this, taking their mask off like that. Yeah. yeah. And guess what you got now on your hands? Or like someone just said, throwing it in the passenger seat of your car. In a, in a <laughs> clinical situation, this is what I've tried to explain to people. In a clinical situation done with complete professionalism, it can help reduce the spread. Yes. Close long-term contact in a clinical situation by somebody behaving in a professional manner. Mask masking has been tested in RCTs, which is the gold standard scientifically, if we're going to follow the science. And mask masking has been shown in 12 RCTs, the first one done in 1947, the last one done in 2019, to have no significant impact on the reduction of the spread of viral diseases, period, the end, infinity. And you can't argue with, if you want to follow, if you want to say, you can argue with an RCT. If you want to say you're following the best available science we have, then you can't. Right. And not 12 that were done independently and all came to the same conclusion because it seems and I, I understand why they would even do it that many times. It seems logical. Right. You cover your face. You have less spread. Well, when you're doing aerosol particles, uh, the, did you see the guy when this all started, he took a vape pen and he like took a big old drag of a vape pen. He put a mask on and he just breathes out and it's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's your COVID, right? Or your COVID. Yeah, right. That's your COVID. Right Let, let's, let's take a turn here because I want to make sure we talk about this. And for ah. those who can't see it, the, the new survival medicine handbook. Joe, hold up the first one. Okay. The first oh, one. Okay, the black one. I got the new one. I have all of them. We have four. Because people say, what the hell do I need a new edition for? Look, see? So there's the first one. Here's the new one. And this, you guys know I believe in function stacking. So you have this. It could save a life. And if you get a home invasion, you can freaking beat somebody to death with it as well, right? So what's, really can. what's new in this over the first or second or third edition? And, and tell people a little bit more about it. Wow. I'll tell you a, a heck of a lot. You know, this is uh, our third edition is a great is a great book. And it spent five years uh, at in number one in its categories on Amazon. And so the question is, why did we actually want to do a fourth book. I mean, because there is a heck of a lot that we still hadn't covered, and we really wanted to have well, the, comprehensive The third one came book. out in 2016. So it had right. been, so it's it's been, been five years. years. Yeah, it's time for an update. So it was time. You yeah. know, and medicine does you know, go pretty quickly, and there are all sorts of new devices now that might and, be helpful, even for the austere survival medic. Right. And so we wanted to make sure we added that in there. Uh, There's just a heck of a lot to the book. We... I have I had 10 sections in the third edition. I have 35 sections here. 
and it goes everywhere. Let me see. I've got some of these written down. Uh, we we expanded medical supplies a lot, we including discussion of medical gloves, uh, how to properly fit a mask with very few people follow uh, if you're going to use a mask. An, how, a how real really, mask, not a to, cotton mask. Yeah, how to really fit a mask so you actually have maybe some protection you get the from it. One. And uh, we also talk about uh, sterile. Oh, and we also talk about something that really has come up in the last couple of years, reusing disposable masks. I mean, look at how many masks you would need in if that you, you've ne- probably needed in the last if you, last couple of years. You know, you probably, once it gets wet, you, you throw it away and probably use a lot of masks. But if some disaster actually happens, you're going to run out of these things. Okay, and when you run out of these things, then you need to have some kind of strategy to stretch out your supply. So we talk about our our particular recommendations in terms of how to how to reuse disposable masks, gloves, things like that. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's super important. But we talk a lot about medical topics too. I mean, we were a little light on eye trauma, ear oh, wait. trauma. I want to back up just one second and towards the front of the book. We actually added um, a section on boosting the immune system. Boosting the immune system, also herbal teas. Yep. You know, we we've been think we thought about it and we said, you know, we wanted to write write about er- essential oils in here, so we have have <clears throat> our essential oils in there. But if you're going to be knocked off the grid, you may not have a distillery to make essential oils. When you run out, you're going to be having to grow a medicinal garden. We have an entire article on how to, a uh, chapter on how to put together a medicinal garden and the, the, the herbs that would be best for it. And indeed, w- what you would be able to use it for would be teas. Teas and tinctures are things that you can put together on the fly and they would be, have, they would have medicinal benefit and they would be there after you've expended all your essential oils and other things. I'm going to let you talk. CBD I'm going to show some of these pictures also CBD as you're oil. talking. You can just talk. CBD oil, we've talked about that, um, which is something that we obviously didn't have in the last book. Um, we have uh, really expanded trauma. Wow. Oh, yeah. We really expanded, <laughs> expanded trauma, gunshot wounds, knife wounds, um, bleeding, um, we, this is the color version, by the way. And this is the color version. Yeah, we have a limited edition color version. We're only printing 500 of these, and they're going to be numbered and signed. And you can order these if you want. But our black and white book, of course, is just as nice, just not as colorful, obviously. Um, we also uh, – I need that to look at yeah, – there's so many things. I need to sort of look at the oh, table, the table of contents. contents. So, oh, nursing care. Nursing. I, oh, there's I nursing. added a. Y'all can see which one they sent me. They didn't send me the special one. They sent no, me the black and white no, one. No, that one I, I want. I just got you. it today. I want. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I got a pal. I ha- I got a pallet delivered at 10:45 today. A huge pallet. So give that one away. Yeah, because we're sending you a color version. I'll I've give it away. Hell no. I'll bar, I'll barter it. It's it's <laughs> they did sign it too. Like if I get my collar on, this will be hitting the barter blanket at my workshop. <laughs> Look guys, we we've been running about an hour here. Um I want to give the audience some time for Q and A if you can. I also if we're gonna do that, I need to call like a timeout bio break here. Uh can we can we do like can we recess for about three minutes and come back and if y'all need to do that as well or Y'all can entertain people for three minutes. I, I don't, it's up to y'all, but I need about three minutes. Okay. okay. You can go. All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go talk. I'll put you in charge of yourselves until I get back. 
All right. Well, thank oh, you. Oh, good. We can talk about Jack while he's gone. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Jack, that's so-and-so. What are we going to do? By the way, I want to make sure I want to thank I want to thank Jack, and I want to make sure I, I thank him when he's not listening, uh, for putting together a very nice testimonial um, in our testimonial section. He was really, really nice to say some some really awesome things, and we feel the same way about him, and we, we thank him for that. Oh, we added a lot on bones and joints. Yeah. We, and- oh, well, let me just talk a little bit about um, if anyone does own the other books, um we had much fewer sections. Like you said, we had, we now have 35 sections. So we've separated this very, very organized so that we have a section that's just natural disasters, uh, radiation, biological, chemical events. We have one that's on head injuries. So we started thinking, let's start, you know, head to toe when we were going through these sections. So it'd be easier to find. So of course, after head issues is dental. Right. And you know, we're one of the few medical professionals that are willing to write about dental issues in an austere or post-apocalyptic setting. So we have a lot in there, everything from tooth abscesses, uh, lost fillings, uh, dental trauma. Also, we we really went hog wild on the trauma here, even dental trauma. Uh, We added a lot. With regards to respiratory infections, we didn't, now we didn't make this a COVID book. This is a book that has a chapter on COVID, but it's, that's one of 35 sections. Oh, yeah. You want something that is talking about COVID itself. The, our Alton's Pandemic Preparedness Guide that we published last year. That and is it's not just on COVID. I mean, yeah. we wrote, we. Oh, it's on all viruses. The basis it's of. The virus book. Right. The basis of that pandemic book actually began in 2009 when we started talking amongst ourselves here about the possibility of a pandemic, which again, like I said, was one of the reasons we started doing this whole thing was because of talking about the Spanish flu. Joe uh, Tippett, I just want to tell you that the fourth edition is indeed on Amazon, the black and white version. Yeah, that's the black and white version. So so you have to go to store.doomandbloom.net if you want a a personally signed numbered uh, and uh, color edition and, and this, like I said, is going to be a very limited edition. Yeah, the color, the color books in store.doomandbloom.net. So if you see on our regular website, doomandbloom.net, if it says shop or store, um, that, that'll go to, and also any article that you go to on the right side of the article that c- connects to the store. Fortress, uh, K9, uh, just go to store.doomandbloom.net, go to the, the book item in the store. And it will give you the option to choose color. the color version if right. you want. And um, by the way, uh, Mama Gator, I am the guy who wrote the first article on fish meds. And you will see a, a discussion on how to use Z-Pack and 14 other antibiotics in that are available in veterinary form. In let's this let's remember that we have audio listeners as well. So if you're answering a question for them without okay. me. State the question. We're trying, yeah, we're trying to say, yeah, oh, okay. State the question. Yeah. Oh, state the okay. question. Yeah. All right. So, Mama <laughs> just mentioned over the counter of fish meds equivalent to ZPAC, azithromycin. It's, uh, aquazithro is the one that's currently available. I want to tell you something else about the government. The government has decided that they're going to have an increased stewardship, quote unquote, of these veterinary antibiotics that I talk about. And that I've uh, recommended so for, for so many years. And every year there's going to be less and less of these available. It's going to be harder and harder to get them. So if you haven't gotten, if Medic, 
you haven't gotten a supply of antibiotics for your survival medical storage, you should do it soon. And I think that that's, I think that's very important. Now I'm not telling you to use it in normal times. If you know, there are medical professionals around that can give you some supplies of, uh, of antibiotics, feel free to do that. However, I'm telling you that the ones that I talk about here are indeed the ones that I would recommend. And I even have a list of the five or six of these 14 that I would definitely want people to have if you're going to be the medic for a survival community. So these these are some of the things that we talk about that you're not going to see in a lot of other books or at least right. not discussed in very much detail. OK, because, you know, we've had a lot of we there. We have a lot of um, imitators that and you can even see the word survival medicine. There's handbook a good one on chest trauma in a, probably about a half a dozen books. But our book, show them the cover. The cover has a red medical kit uh, with a white cross on it. That's what you're going to be looking for. And don't get the old editions. Get the get the new edition, even though it's been five years. And this book is so much bigger than the oh other my book. Gosh. It is exactly the same price as the last edition. So, so we have not I, raised the price at all. I don't know if this is an inside joke that I'm not aware of, but uh, prepared bear says, are you still staring at a can of chili with beans? Do y'all know what that's okay. about? Staring at a can of, that can of chili with beans. I think that there was a picture. Is of, that the picture? Is that what I'm holding in the picture that you? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. That's what that is. That, that's what that is. That was the, the, the image that I used for the, uh, for the, uh, the thumbnail of today's video. Yeah, you could have picked a little more flattering image. <laughs> if you had better images, I would have. Like I needed one big great. enough to act as a thumbnail, man. Y'all need yeah. better photographers. Um, <laughs> so if you guys, if you guys that are on the live stream have a question for Amy and Bones, please put it in all caps. Please do not put your stuff in all caps unless it's actually a question. Um, so that we can find them. And, um, I got one for you until we get another question from the audience here. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your medical kits as well? Because you do give my audience members a discount on your med kits. Yes, uh, th those are discounts that on the higher end kits can pay for their membership easily for a year. Um, what's special about your med kits compared to, you know, uh, a stomp medical hospital kit on, you know, cheaper than dirt or something like that? Okay. Before I say that, I just want to say to Carolina man that I think that the, you'll find it on Amazon for 37 bucks. I mean, the color version is obviously. More more Oof. expensive as it's a and limit, it's also weighs edition. more too. Oh, here's a cool picture. I love this is. I fought with Joe to put this picture in there. Every bone in the body. A lot of anatomy and physiology pictures because if you don't know what your parts are, how are you going to fix them, right? Yep, anatomy is a <laughs> blueprint, and uh, the operating manual is is in here too. Believe me. So we even talk. Oh, one thing, one new thing. I'm go every time I pa I go. I know. This, we, we actually teach, you know, a lot of medical books will teach you how to do a needle decompression of a collapsed lung, you know, stick a needle in there and, and let the air out so the lung can inflate. We tell you how to put together a chest tube drainage system that will actually keep the person alive for more than just an hour. And there's a graphic of how to set that up. Right. How I mean, it works. The needle decompression is just enough to get you to the hospital. This, we, we have a drainage to gravity so that you can keep that air out and allow that uh, injury to heal. So we do that. We do rectal rehydration. You're not going to have a lot of IV fluid available and there, but there is, there are other ways. And you know what? We went all the way back to world war one for, for this one. So we have an entire 
library of books from the 19th century, early 20th century that uh, help us with, in terms of some of our strategies. So um, right. Jack, Jack has agreed to allow me to demonstrate the rectal rehydration next time. <laughs> next time we're On in him. Fort Worth. Yeah. On him. <laughs> Not happening. I, ma I made a graphic, actually, of that for rectal rehydration with the fluids and the tubing and the clamp. Yeah, so it shows you how to do it. And, and the person sideways and where the Foley goes in, <laughs> how to blow it up. Anyway, that was fun making. Uh, so let's talk about the medical kits. Um, why are mine different? Well, mine are different because um, a doctor and a nurse practitioner designed them. Um, we have been thinking specifically about off-grid supplies. Um, my bags are not packed in China. They don't come pre-packed with every cheap version of every possible item you can get. And by the way, most, if not all, like I don't, never want to say all to anything or always, but I'd say 99.9% .9 of your cat tourniquets that you guys find on Amazon for $2, guess what? They're horrible. And I wouldn't trust them on my dog if I had a dog or my grandbabies because I have grand puppies. So no, don't buy your tourniquets on Amazon or other cheap medical supply locations. If they don't cost you about $30, probably not real. I get mine from the only distributor in this country for actual cat tourniquets, North American Rescue. Um, I have accounts with all the big guys, the people who are the medical military, sorry, the military supply companies who get the genuine items. I have had distributor and wholesale accounts with these people for at least 10 years. No knockoffs. No knockoffs. Brand names, good stuff. When you use it, it's going to work. And it costs money. Unfortunately, it's starting to cost more and more money because of the pandemic and shipping costs. Um, so my kits grew out of the fact that we wrote the first book. We never had sold anything other than this book. I think we had one DVD we were selling from our presentations at the survival um, shows. And I said, oh, a kit. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Let me now do. Now you have wait, like 20. <laughs> so I put one kit together and it was the monster. It's the family kit was the first one. But I based that kit on what would we want to grab? Because we have obviously thousands of medical supplies all across the house. What would we want to get if we had to say, pick up one medical kit and get out. And that's it. So I made the biggest backpack I could and I stuffed it with a variety of things. I tr th tried to think of the major issues that we would want to hit. And then I created the supplies to cover those medical issues. And um, that's how the bag was created. It had some dental uh, stuff in it. And then people said, well, I I have a lot of medical supplies, but I don't have a dental kit. So it started giving birth. My family kit gave birth to... Um, a dental kit, it gave birth to a delivery kit, a baby delivery kit, an OB kit. Eye trauma kit. I have an eye care trauma kit now. And I'm actually just sent my daughter who lives in Denver a couple weeks ago, just moved there, a people and pet kit, which nobody, I don't think, sells anywhere. And what I put were things in there that on a hike she might need. So, for instance, I have a whistle. I have... um a glow stick. I have matches in case she's stuck. Um, but anyway, I have people and pet things for hiking. If you get lost, she can take care of her of the dog and she can take care of herself and, and get found and take care of boo-boos. I'm also I'm also making creating a dog backpack for hiking. I'm gonna have a medium size and a large size 
so um one side of it two detachable patches pouches one side will have first aid and have a first aid patch the other side will be convenient for food water whatever other supplies extra leash whatever you want to put in there so two backpacks and it will not be more than 10% of the dog's weight because I know they don't, they can't carry very much. Okay, I want to, I have a couple of questions here. Kamikaze here. I assume there's a chapter on suturing. There's a, not only a chapter on suturing, but a chapter on stapling. Yes. Chapter on put, putting together With good blues, visuals. Uh, and all sorts, all sorts of different. I don't have the, the color cl- version, but, but I am physically showing the pictures for how to suture and, and down here. And then the other side is the beginning of the stapling. The, the practice product I think you should use, honestly, I, instead of just having a, a little rubber, rubbery type of item that, uh, a, a template that allows you to put stitches in, I would prefer that you use actual physical Stuff like pig's feet, yep. things like that, that allow you to actually work on living tissue or was once living tissue. And I think that that's something important. Uh, and let me just tell you, the best thing to do to practice is get a half circle sewing needle. Any kind of thread will do and any kind of clamp, any any practice. kind of even pliers would work. It's the hand motions that you need to get used to. We sell the uh, sutures and we do sell suture kits for people that want them. They, these are the suture kit itself is sterile. We do not sell antibiotics on our site. We have one person who um, is an advertiser. We know him. He's the only person on uh, my entire website, either websites, the store or the regular that we allow to put up an ad. And that's because we trust him and he has good customer service. Dishmox, Dishflex. Let, 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 let me call, let me call the questions out for y'all because y'all are just okay. rolling through this stuff. I've got one up on the screen here from Donnie Boyles. It says, "Any advice uh, for a nurse, practi- nurse practitioner on how to navigate uh, these COVID treatment restrictions?" And we all are done. Give a pause, and I'll I'll bring up another question for you. See, it's difficult for us to give you that that uh, advice because we, as as long term. Uh, retired and old people, or I am old. She's very young. Thank you. Basically, we don't have to worry about issues losing a license. Okay. We carry active medical licenses, but if I lost my license tomorrow because of something I said, then I, they probably still would be calling me doc until I died. But your situation is more complex and you have to decide really how much you're willing to, um, Buck the system. So I think now fine. Wait, I would just say one last thing. I know, but I'm the nurse practitioner. Okay. Yes. But I would, <laughs> but I would just say, I would just say find <laughs> like-minded people in your area that are also medical professionals and nurse practitioners. And because you as a sole individual don't have as much clout as if a group of nurse practitioners were had concerns about the, uh, COVID restriction. Okay, but what I think she's really talking about is writing a prescription and having it not filled by the pharmacist. And I do not have an answer for that. If the doctors are having trouble, the nurse practitioners are going to have even more trouble because the pharmacists just love to screw with us. Oh, you're an allied professional or you're a second tier professional. They treat us like we're dirt under their feet. Uh, meanwhile, we're much more educated than the pharmacists, by the way. I respect pharmacists, but we do have more education. But they don't they don't respect you. So if you write a prescription for ivermectin or, or something else and they don't fill it, what are you going to do? So go to that F 
LCCC website. And if you have somebody who wants ivermectin, refer them to those doctors. They're putting themselves out. And they have sections for professionals. <clears throat> right, is what I'm saying. You can go and refer people as what we've done. We've referred people to that group of, of doctors who've said, you know what, gosh darn it, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it and I don't care what happens and, and bless them for doing it. We're, we're all lucky to have a group of people who are that brave. And, you know, I mean, if we were practicing and we could see patients in an office, um, I have a feeling that you and I would be prescribing it and we would do it as a team. And I would be berating these pharmacists when they called us up and said they weren't going to fill it. And we'd have, you know, some words, but I can't physically see a patient, so I'm not prescribing it. But these people will. They've got telemedicine hooked up. They've figured out this system now. So refer the patients to them. You can stay out of trouble, especially a nurse, a new nurse practitioner. If you get in trouble by your board, you're going to get excoriated much more than a physician who gets in trouble by his board. It, it's, it's very, it's very rare, rare that they take a medical license away from a doctor, but it's not so rare that they would find something to take away from a nurse practitioner. So don't put yourself in that danger as much as you want to. And I think that the group idea is really powerful too. And find out yeah. the, the pharmacists that aren't retards, right? Yeah. There's probably right. pharmacists in your area. Okay. Ivermectin, boom, done. Right. So find out who they are and then refer that patient to that pharmacy. Right. And if they have to pay out of pocket, it's freaking cheap. Don't worry about your insurance and folks like that, like for something like this. Like, I don't know what, a, a you know, a week supply of ivermectin is, but I'm imagining it's it's probably less than most people's copay. So don't necessarily feel that y'all need to be married to that. Let's move on from there. Um, from Todd Weller, we have thoughts on the upcoming Novax vaccine. Uh, do you think that may be safer or more effective or neither, or you just don't know? Cause I've been answering that with, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think I, 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 I can't, don't know. I can't say for sure, but I, I will say this, that Novavax is being tried out in India in large, on large numbers of people. And I would say keep an eye out on what <clears> those results show. And that's going to be in, the, there are a number of different, uh, I think India Times and there's a, there's a number, they're doing a lot of things. They use ivermectin there. They use all sorts of stuff there that we are scared to use. And I think that that you that's can just take a, a company. And, Novavax is a company. Well, but the, the Novavax is vaccine. What, the, the, I know, but which one? COVID? Well, they, they're, I've had a lot of questions about their vaccine. Um, it's going to be available to military personnel as well. I think even faster than the general public here. And people are asking me if you had to pick one, cause like they don't want to lose, they don't want to get thrown out. Of if you course. had to pick one, would you choose it? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, my initial instinct was J and J was probably better than Moderna or Pfizer because at least it wasn't jacking with your, your RNA and your DNA. Uh, but you, you guys, yourselves had J&J &J and I don't think you really enjoyed the experience. So, I mean, uh, what happened to me he was okay. What happened to me was simply you had arm pain for a month, but she had other issues. Wasn't, yes. But yours was because of how you were injected. I, I, it has screwed me up and I haven't told anybody this because I, I don't want anybody to get taken off their social media for, you know, retweeting it or putting it on YouTube. But uh, I've, since 10 days after my vaccine on um, March 20th, I've had basically like an autoimmune disease. I mean, right now, I don't know if you guys can't see it, but my entire face is swollen on the left side of my face. I have hives down in here. 
Um, I don't know why that happened a few days ago, but my arms and my legs have been numb and tingly and pain in all my joints. Um, I've had vertigo and, and terrible vertigo and then sometimes just dizziness on and off for it'll be six weeks at a time and then I'll have a few weeks that I'm okay. And it's, I'm having it now and it, it's killing me. And I don't feel normal. And sometimes I feel like my head's floating, like I'm not connected to this world. And I don't feel like me. And I tell them I don't feel like I'm here. Uh, it's like it's like being drunk, but you're not drunk. So, like, your head's sort of there, but you you have to think about things like getting out of the car. Like, oh, grab the door handle and push it open. And, oh, where are my keys? And I just set my coffee down, but where is it? You just feel weird. And then I feel okay. I've been taking meclizine and and Sudafed, and that helps for some reason. But, yeah, I will never, ever, ever let anyone shoot me with a needle of any sort for any reason ever again the rest of my life. I don't care what it is or for what it is. I will never get another vaccine because I don't know what this thing did, but it's ruined my life. Well, and I think people need to take in what a big statement that is from you because – that would that would not have been your take on this three years ago before all this crap started about vaccines. No, I mean, last year I did um, or, or two years ago, I did um, I got a, a TV. I got what was that one that I got? See my hat. I can't even think. Harvey. You got the uh, DVT. Yeah. Diphtheria, um, pertussis, pertussis tetanus. and tetanus. I got that. No problem. I mean, I, we don't really get flu shots, but I don't feel like I'm in a big. You know, issue. I mean, people call me anti-vax. I, I keep tetanus up to date within reason because I work on a farm and you can get deep puncture wounds. And, you know, people are like, well, if I get a wound, I'll go get a tetanus shot. Well, that doesn't work because it takes longer for the tetanus shot to create the immunity than it does for the tetanus to incubate. So I, I'm not anti-vax. I just have some real concerns about what we're doing here. It just, and it's interesting to me. I hate hearing that, but the brain fog thing is a thing that I experienced myself while I had COVID, and I haven't had it since, but I've heard of people that have had COVID having that type of experience, not necessarily the hives, but the the kind of just I'm there, but I'm not there feeling even long after COVID. And so, you know, a vaccine causing the same type of effects as the disease itself, I don't think that's unheard of. Um, exactly. but I think at the, at the frequency that we're hearing of problems from this and then the, you know, back to where we were earlier without going too deep into it, the absolute total silencing of anybody that says anything about this is my experience. This is what happened. We have one person that lost their freaking arms and legs after an injection, right? I mean, like if, if, if that, if it was anything else, there, every, one of these like human interest story reporters on the planet would be like roping out of helicopters into this guy's backyard to do a story on it. But this is a, to me, it's a very sinister cover up. And I, people that maybe are new to me think, well, he's a survival guy. He's a conspiracy theory guy. But I'm not. And, and this is, this is defied all logic and all reason as far as this I can is why, This is real. This too. is what happens when you mix politics with uh, medicine. They and don't I feel, belong together. And I fear Phil. Fear, feel fearful to put my story out there. I also had myocarditis. My heart rate normally is like 64, 62 at rest. It was 90s, 
90s at rest. And if I would go from laying down, because I was in bed for basically six weeks, would stand up, my heart rate would go to about 112, 115. If I walked from the front door to my mailbox, which is not far, and back to the house, I'd be in the 120s. My heart was so inflamed. I could barely breathe. I was short, had shortness of breath. Every joint in my body, everything hurt, hurt, hurt. I had excruciating head pain that I can't explain other than people who probably had brain tumors or water on the brain, too much water, hydrocephalic. Um, I felt like my head was going to explode, like all my bones were just going to come out. My eyes were going to come out and my jaw and my ears and all the way down into my neck excruciating, excruciating pain to where I was on the floor crying. I refused to go to the hospital, no matter how many times he wanted to drag me, because I knew what they were going to tell me. Oh, it's not the vaccine. This didn't happen to you. We don't believe you. because So if they did give you any treatment, whatever they treated you for would not be for the problems that you had. Like that, that's, that's no. how that works out. No. It's, okay. it's, All right. I just yeah, want to you say can't something. test for pain. They can't say, oh, yeah, we, yeah. we see your pain. They, could, they would be like, oh, yeah, she's lying. She's just trying to be an anti-vaxxer. I just want to say that uh, Heavenly here says that if uh, these two, that meaning us, are foolish enough to take on experimental injections, why should I trust them? Well, oh, we have. Oh, really? <laughs> we, we have. You know what? That was who my is this jackass? Where, where's that comment at? We have. An, that was my personal choice. We yeah. have. A specific, people For personal should, reasons. should make decisions based on personal choices. We have an obligation to go out and spread the word on medical preparedness. We have to travel for that. And for that, in a lot of places, you need to have proof of vaccination. And so, you know, you really shouldn't put that kind of uh, statement out there because it's really not fair to people who have no choice. If you work, you, Heavenly, if you are working in a a company that has more than 100 people, guess what? You're going to get the vaccination or you're going to be fired. And so these are things that they're not all, not all vaccines are indeed uh, made the same are created equal. And I, and we generally, you know what? That's exactly why I didn't want to tell anybody my problem. Jack, you see this? See that? Do you see what's happening, Jack? This is why I I didn't want to tell my truth. Who is this? Because I can make them go away. No, I don't, I don't want them to go away. They're entitled, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. But yeah. they need to ask questions first before saying they just lost credibility. My husband has medical issues, person. and I don't want him to die. He's almost 70 years old. I know he doesn't look it, but I wanted to protect my husband. I look 80, about 80. Is that what you're That's saying? why I did it. Well, and the other side of this, right, is like if you would have made me pick a vaccine back in March, I would have picked the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, too, because it used – the type of technology that we've traditionally made vaccines out of. I think one of the reasons that we're having so many problems with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines is that the technology that's being used to make a mass vaccine by those, by those uh, companies was never intended to be used this way. It was designed that if, 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 if Doc Bones had cancer, we made a vaccine for his specific type of cancer. That's what the guy that invented it says. And I consider him so. But when you looked at J and G, it was J. It was more of a traditional response. That's what I would have picked too. So when he made me, these people are full of shit. Um, seven, seven, heavenly, whatever the hell your name is, you have no idea. What if you need to travel internationally on air, airplanes? How are you going to do that if they won't let you do it? It's real easy to talk shit from behind the screen. I'll, I'll make you an offer. 
How about this, Seven Heavenly? How about you bring your ass right now in this conference room and talk to these people and talk the shit to them? You want to do it? I'll drop you a link. Or are you gonna are you gonna just stop talking shit? See, and I'm, I'm gonna say another thing too. And if you want to do it, you let me know there in the chat. I'll bring you in. You can come in. You can face fire. Listening to people who have done this is far more credible than listening to somebody like me who hasn't, that has an opinion about it, but hasn't been through the experience. Taking someone who spent their whole life in medicine that trusted medicine and got screwed by it, that's how you learn. So you can be mouthy, but no one really wants to hear what you have to say. Not anybody that's thinking anyway. We, we've gone into a place with this where we're taking our natural allies and turning them into enemies. And I have about a quarter of a millimeter of freaking tolerance for that, just so you know. So if anybody else has got an actual fucking question, please let us know, and I'll be happy to present it to Bones and Amy. Please do that in all caps. Uh, but it looks like uh, Heavenly, Sevenly, whatever the hell, has run away. Well, you know which, what, Heavenly, Heavenly, I just want to say that, you know, I appreciate your opinion. And from I don't. My end, I have I have no problem <laughs> with people. I've been criticized by experts and this is you, you haven't made the top 100 yet or a thousand yet. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't I don't appreciate it because um, and if it was the only comment from them, I, I wouldn't have really done that. But it wasn't the only comment. So uh, it's really easy, like I said, to 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 cast stones from the distance. But it's 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 interesting that um, whenever anybody says shit like that, I, I do that all the time. Y'all weren't the first time where I have people talking shit in the comments. I always say, hey, come on in here. Let's chat about it. And they never, for some reason, actually want to do that. Uh, and anonymity makes people have big mouths. Um, and look at me, then I'll have a big mouth, you know, anonymous or not. Uh, Moonsprout says thoughts on rendezvous and ventilators. Well, they are right now what, uh, indeed, remember that narrow protocol that I told you about? This is what is the uh, approved route to go. And between you and I, I really feel that, uh, Eddie, once you get put on a ventilator, basically you're on a, you're on a clock. You spend a week on that ventilator and you're never going to be the same. You spend two weeks on that ventilator and you're not going to leave the hospital. I think. And I can, I can tell you that from my father who wound up with a stroke and ended up on a ventilator. And, um, it doesn't always happen that way. I, I may be making a generalization, but with COVID, if you wind up on a ventilator, you're, you are somebody who's really sick and you are indeed have a good chance of not making it through. That's scary. I know. And indeed, you know, these are things that are, are tough decisions for, I, and I, I don't, I, believe me, I don't envy lung specialists having to make these kinds of decisions. I will say this, that people on COVID, they have lower <clears throat> oxygen, when they get those lower oxygen levels, I think I've seen so many people, including my sister-in-law, what with PO2s in the 80s or, you know, you know, way low, low where you're supposed to get a lot of help. And, you know, she was able to avoid the ventilator and we put her on high dose oxygen or high, high flow oxygen therapy. And that's what I would do. If I was, if I came here and I had a, an oxygen saturation of, of 85, I wouldn't want to be put on a ventilator. I'd want to be put on high 
high, high flow oxygen therapy. And I think that that makes the most sense. Um, this is very much against the conventional medical wisdom, I have to say. Okay. So. But, it, but it also makes a lot of sense. We had doctors coming out very early on. Uh, saying that we were ventilating people to death and that they had never seen a disease that when it progresses like this, uh, acts this way and that we needed his, his opinion was simply we need to turn the pressure down and, and, and vent at a lower pressure. And he was silenced for saying that this was an ER doctor treating people. Um, I don't know what this is. We have one here from Ron. Uh, what is Doc Bone's opinion on Regen Cove? I don't oh, know. Oh, I what think. I think, I think it's definitely, definitely an option. What's happening here? Uh, somehow he's, you're echoing. I'm echoing. I'm sorry if I'm echoing, but I just want to say that I, that's a monoclonal antibody therapy. Okay. And I'm very much in favor of monoclonal antibodies. And just to show you how politics gets involved with medicine, Biden, uh, recently decreased our allotment, uh, Florida's allotment. Of, yeah, thanks. Uh, and, and a number of other red states allotment of monoclonal antibodies, which are very, very useful in the treatment of especially uh, uh, the milder cases or the mild to moderate cases. And I think that this is one of the things that just frosts my cookies that that government can come in, take a something that has clearly worked and can just almost uh, and just either limit your your ability to get it. Government control of of medical supply distributions. You know what are we going to be in camps one day and they're going to control the amount of food we it, get? It, I mean, this is there is no end to what this government will do. This, this I do not slip- believe anymore there is any control over anything. They're going to do whatever sli- they want. This is a slippery slope, guys. And uh, anytime this happens, you have to fight it and and the way we can fight it is at at the ballot box but also you should always look if if you have an opinion on something that you think is going wrong always let your congressman know i mean your or your congresswoman know i mean these these people if they're bombarded with more and more letters saying hey or email saying you know hey this is ridiculous or this is unfair you know this is Costing you some votes, you know. What what are the, what are these politicians? What on both parties' side? What's what's their goal? To get reelected, to remain in power. Right. And so, you know, you have to. If you're displeased with them, let them know you're displeased. Otherwise, they think that you're just a very happy, docile uh, constituency. And don't be docile. All right, uh, let's just do a couple more, and, and then we'll, we need to retire. We, we've got over an hour and a half right now. Um, Mama Gator, are there forms of hydroxychloroquine or a form other than uh, in OTC meds? Like, I don't think the answer to that is yes. I think you either have hydroxychloroquine or you don't. There's no fish chloroquine that you could use for a human. No, there really isn't anything that I would recommend. Uh, the, there was a uh, like a fish tank cleaner that they had that somebody apparently a couple took and one, the, the husband died and the, the wife died. So I definitely don't think that that's, that's a real option. Of course, there's chloroquine <clears throat> and there's hydroxychloroquine and there's all sorts of different variations of this, uh, type of medicine. But hydroxychloroquine is the one that was originally considered to be, uh, of potential with regards to treatment for COVID. I would, I now think that ivermectin is Maybe better even. I agree. I'm finding, I'm yeah. finding a lot more 
science, here I am with science again, uh, science that seems to point towards ivermectin as something that will eventually, regardless of what we think of it, what the government thinks of it now, eventually they're going to be using this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would also tell people that there's a website called myfreedoctor.com. And they prescribe all of this stuff like you guys were talking about with the other website, uh, over, you know, over the internet. They do a quick consult because the reality is these medications are not dangerous unless you're stupid. I mean, you can take a whole bottle of aspirin and kill yourself. And by the way, a really, like if you ever want to go out, a bottle of aspirin is not the way to do it. It's a really painful way to go. So like anything can kill you. You eat enough Flintstones vitamins, they can kill you. Right. So, um, but taken, uh, by the prescribed amounts, like these are incredibly safe medications. Hydroxychloroquine may be one of the, the safest medications on the planet. I'd say it's safer than aspirin. It has, a, and, and the way this so-called science was done with it, like you have a hypothesis. A hypothesis is that if you give a patient 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine a day for five days in a row in conjunction with zinc and zithromycin, that it helps uh, prevent bad outcomes of COVID. So what do you do? You give the patient 1.2 grams or 1.8 grams in one study. I saw toxic level overdoses with no zinc. And, but, you you know, eventually one group you throw the zithromycin in and then you say it doesn't work. Uh, ignoring the the ionophore action of the hydroxychloroquine is, is yeah, sickening. I, I wrote uh, an article on this called The Missing Zinc. The Missing Zinc. Yeah, I remember that. No. And it's and it, it's sickening. It's not science. Nothing about this is science. No. You're right. I, and I just want to say uh, there are a couple of questions that we, we didn't get to. Uh, should you buy a portable oxygen, oxygen machine? If, you've got the, if you have the wherewithal to afford one, I think it's a good idea. The oxygen um, concentrator. Uh, shelf life on these things. I've people know me for for years for writing about the truth about shelf life. Just uh, I, it's, expiration dates. We have uh, yeah shelf life and expiration right. dates. Please go to the website and read my uh, classic article, the truth about expiration dates. Uh, it probably don't have time to really go through too much of it here. What about this one question we have here from you? Uh, I can't read his name. Uh, what are your thoughts on nebulizers and H two O two? Um, I, I don't think that, I don't think that it's a, it's a big deal, uh, in terms of making a big difference. I mean, it's like, you're saying, you're talking about it, I guess, as, uh, prevention, as prevention, you know, and I've seen people, you know, <clears throat> say, well, I'm putting alcohol on my hands and I'm rubbing my nose, with it, <clears throat> you know, to, and, and I don't know that there's any studies whatsoever that, that uh, show any data on whether the, either of those methods works or not. And I'm not sure we're going to see any kind of data like that. I, I don't think that it's going to be particularly dangerous, but I, I would probably would stick, stay away from, um, stay away from hydrogen peroxide. My fe- I, my I actually feeling- saw somebody on a TV show yesterday actually drink hydrogen. hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> Do you remember that? that was I don't advise that. that. And he's still That'll alive. Make you throw up. He's still alive. Oh, it will make you throw up. I, I yes. have a long history with training dogs, and it's an old known thing that about two tablespoons of hydroxychloroquine down a dog will cause almost immediate regurgitation because when when you yeah yeah when you when you when you are training dogs sooner or later one finds a dead thing with maggots in it on the road and eats it and you need to know how to do that and that's what we used to use was hydrogen peroxide and it it it, it 
I saw Brittany Spaniel one time vomit so hard he went over like like a horse on a Western movie going over on its back. <laughs> I don't advise drinking hydrogen peroxide. I really don't. No. Well, I mean, the thing about nebulizing, too, is if you go out and you're exposed to COVID, at, at what point has that already entered the cell? Like, how quickly did that virus that you inhaled and, and how many viral particles did you inhale that are now entering other cells. So if you get some of them, let's say it does work on some of them, you know, it only probably takes a few to get into a cell to start that manufacturing process. And then, okay, so maybe you had a hundred and you killed 50 of them, but the other 50 are still multiplying. If you don't get every single one of them, if just one gets in there and start it, you're eventually going to get sick or have some sort of symptoms probably. And I think one thing we really need to temper in my opinion um, is that the risk is really low of the damn thing in the first place. So it's good to know these ways that you can boost your immune system, treat it if you get it, help to prevent it. I believe that, HCQ along with zinc is probably a good prophylactic. I believe ivermectin is probably, based on the stuff I've read, two bones, a better prophylactic and a better treatment. Um, but I wouldn't go start shooting horse paste down my throat if that's the only form of it I can get, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't think we need to be taking these incredibly heroic methods and trying all kinds of weird things. Um, I've heard a lot of mythology when this first started. People were talking about, well, just keep a water bottle and take a drink of water every 15 minutes. And if it gets in your mouth, it'll wash. It's like whoever's giving you that advice knows literally knows less about medicine than me. And that's a pretty low threshold. Um, we don't need to be freaking out about this. I mean, keep in mind, we've been dealing with this for almost two years now. I know. And, and, and we're still at a point where it's like 99.97% of people who have gotten it that we know about have survived it. And, and it's more like 99 zero have survived it without any real problems. And we know that number's low bones. You and I have talked about this way low. We, we do Early. not know what the, what the true infection rate is, but we do know it is much bigger than the number they're giving us. I'd say it's 10 X, but if that's the case at this point, literally everybody <laughs> in Texas has had it. So that's I don't really know if it's 10 X, but that's my gut. Is it somewhere in the neighborhood across the country about a 10x of the yes. reported number? Yeah, we totally And that means that. our natural immunity is building, 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 building. And, like, <clears throat> you know, we just had, like, this uh, Delta wave in freaking Texas. And, like, you saw the hospitalizations just shoot way up. And now they're just – it's just cratering off the other side. This kind of shit's happening to humanity over and over again. And as you guys said earlier, this is not the worst example. Like, we don't need to be running in fear from this. No. No. And I think that, you know, I can understand people being concerned if they have three comorbidities uh, along with this or their advanced age or whatever. But if you're a young, healthy individual, go on with your life and and, and know what you need to know and, and don't be stupid, you know. Don't go swap and spit with strangers in back alleys. That's probably a bad idea. Anyway, right? <laughs> that was a bad um, idea 50 years ago. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, day to day, just go on with your life and don't worry about freaking out on anything. I agree. Again, like I said, take personal responsibility. If you've got a lot of health issues that you're at risk and there's lists of who's at risk, then 
Watch yourself. If you're not, we need to move on with our lives. We need to get our kids back in school. We need to get these masks off of everybody on airplanes and on buses and forcing everyone in the hospital to get vaccinated. It's a personal choice. We need to just move on. Just can you imagine if they said everyone has to get a flu shot tomorrow? Yeah. And so Biden says we have to have a vaccination rate of 97 to 98 percent before he'll allow us, allow us to go back to normal. I think the biggest thing thing people can do for themselves now, as long as you're not stupid and bringing your crap with you, move to Florida, move to Texas, move to some place. If you live in these other crazy states, right, move to one of these states that's not crazy as long as you're not crazy. Come on down here and reinforce these states so that we can continue to push back because I believe, honestly, we're heading for something along the line of a coalition of states that are going to push back against the federal government. Um, I believe that we're being put into a position where that's going to be the only thing that we can do. And the only thing that's prevented it up till now, in my opinion, is the federal government's been pretty kid glove. They talk a lot of shit about what they're going to do in states that aren't doing it, but they don't actually do anything. Um I honestly think if you try to push this crap in, in Texas, South Dakota, Florida, some of the other red states right now, you're going to get pushed back. And, like, this talk about an insurrection, we're not going to dig into that. But if you don't see an insurrection, you ain't seen a damn insurrection yet. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some pissed off people down here, and we, we're not we're not willing to pretend to go back and play the game pandemic like the rest of you guys are. So if you are of that mindset, find a place that is welcoming to your mindset and go there. Um, the last great freedom in our Republic is that it's a Republic. It, it, it's probably the only thing that saved the United States for as long as it has is that we are a Republic. And I'm not a big believer in the political process, but I do know that you can vote anything you want. But what gets a politician's attention is when your tax dollars with your body go away. That's that's what actually gets their attention. And that's what gives advantages to states that are not insane. Um, y'all, thanks for being here. Um, I, I recommend everybody get by doomandbloom.net. That's their website. You can find all their stuff there, their medical equipment, their their, their books, their articles, their podcasts. The audio version of this podcast, which I may or may not edit a certain part out, um, will be uh, up in about an hour from right now if you're watching it live. In the show notes, there will be links to everything Bones and Amy, everything they have, everything they do. If it's on their website or I could find it and they're connected to it, I already have it in the show notes. And, guys, thank you for being with us today. And I apologize for uh, the one or two asshats that we had in the chat. Yeah, we we actually welcome folks like That's that. That's okay. I mean, we, you do. <laughs> I don't. We, we, I don't. We, you know what? Normally, I'm okay with it. I do not welcome people talking shit about my friends in the middle of an emotional moment. Thank you. And if that I, wasn't an emotional moment, I would have let it pass. But if yeah. he was in front of me and he did it, I would have slapped the shit out of him. Just to be honest. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I just, you know, in in my life, I've always, you know, respected people for making their own personal decisions for whatever it is. And I just always hope that people respect me for my personal decisions. And, you know, I have reasons for what I did. And, you know, it is what it is. And I'm sorry. I respect other people, you know, whatever choices they make in their lives. And I just I expect the back back. Speak, speaking of sad. respect, Jack, I want to just tell you how much respect we have for everything you've done for the preparedness community. You're the granddaddy of uh, all survival podcasts and uh, the amount of information that you've 
uh, doled out to people uh, over the years is is just uh, encyclopedic. We keep trying to. He's amazing. We keep trying to get Jack to write a book like this, but I think it would actually make our book look like uh, <laughs> you know, a, a Sunday Sunday. I know uh, it'd be like uh, that thick. <laughs> him book. They need a they need a wheelbarrow to carry yeah. it. And thank you again. I don't know if you heard us say that, but we thank you thank you for your um, testimonial that we put in our book. Yes, it's on the back of our book. It's on the oh, that's right. Book. I'm on there. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look inside the. Did you see what you wrote? It's like the first. Well, I know what I wrote. I was there. It's right here. I'm the first one. Yes, but I'm right uh, there. Yes. Uh, it's also inside the book. It's also inside the book. It is right. from the experts. Yes, because you are an expert. Well, well, guys, thank you again. I really appreciate you being with us today. And again, I apologize for the asset. Guys, thanks for being with us on the broadcast. We're going to cut now. And like I said, the audio version will be out in the podcast feed uh, in just a little bit. We love you. Right. And we love everybody out there. Thank I, you for I being like, with us. I like you. Well, all right. With that knocked out, um, let me remind you guys, you like the show and the work that we do, you can uh, do uh, do us a favor. Just if you're going to buy something online, including Bones and Amy's book we just talked about. You can buy anything online. Just start your online shopping at tspaz.com first. T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com first. Over the years, I've reviewed all the stuff that that I personally use and purchased, and, and, and I would buy again. And, I mean, one of my buddies, he came over and he said, your house is literally a T-SPAS catalog. Like, everything that's there is really here. And it really is. I, integrity is my brand. I may say some things that upset you sometimes. I may say some things you disagree with. But the one thing you you should know if you've listened to the show for any length of time, if I tell you something, I'm telling you the truth. If it's my opinion, it's just my opinion. But if I'm telling you, like, this is factually a good thing, you, you know that it is. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. A product that I've been bringing around through T-SPAS for a long time, and I keep bringing it back around because it's just so damn good, is a French press made by a company called Secura. It's a double-walled, insulated, stainless steel French press with three screens. We use it for our coffee every day. I don't make coffee any other way than with a French press now. Uh, my favorite coffees, of course, are Mai Tai, Food Forest Farms, and Hollow Roast. Uh, it's always made with a French press. And, and I think if you start making your coffee with a French press, You'll see why I don't go back and do anything else with it. Um, I make my herbal teas with it. I make infusions for my meads. When I'm making like an herbal mead, I'll make a double-strength herbal infusion and use that in my mead making. Like, it is just really, it's a multitasker. Um, the other day, I was drinking Bloody Mary's doing a live stream, and even though I didn't need the French press part of it at all, since it was insulated, I threw some ice cubes in it, put the extra Bloody Mary, and it used it like a, a carafe and just didn't put the plunger down. It, it, it's, it's that good. Uh, check it out again. It's made by a company called Secura, S-E-C-U-R-A. Long, long ago, I had a different French press that I recommend made by Bravel. When I found this one, I realized this was the one. The way we found it, Dorothy wanted – Dorothy loves – our coffee from our French press so much. When we travel, she doesn't want to use the little Keurigs in the hotel rooms, and so we didn't want to bring the Brevel because the, the carafe is made out of glass. And we found this, and we bought one, 
And the next thing we did was buy two more of them. We have two of the big 50 ounces, one of the standard size ones. Uh, we use them when company comes over, et cetera. They're fantastic. Check them out. But nothing uh, that you buy won't help us out if you start your online shopping at tspaz.com, that is. And remember also, um, I don't push you as much as I should, but MSB, man, if you guys become MSB members, you use the discounts, it pays for itself. Uh, you get discounts on lots of great stuff, including the medical kits at bonesandamysdoomandbloom.net. With that, let's go to our song of the day today. Remember, we are trying to try, trying to guess Jack's Pandora channel that he's pulling music from this week. So, um, today's song is All For You by Sister Hazel. And yesterday's song was Slide by the Goo Goo Dolls. And as I said yesterday, I gave you a pretty big hint. The person that this, that this channel is based on is known as an individual artist, but his name and something else could actually be a band, too. All right, so you've got Slide by the Google Dolls. you got All for You by Sister Hazel. Tomorrow I'll give you another song of the day. And then Friday in the new Outback with Jack series, um, we will we'll tell you who the, the, the channel's based on, and Friday's show notes will have where you can clone my Pandora channel if you want to. I've had one person say that my taste in music sucks since I started this, and, well, You get to talk to him tonight if you come on Unloose the Goose. We have an Unloose the Goose episode tonight called Cutting Through the Noise. We're going to have one of our special guests out of the audience. He's been on the show as well, John Dowie. So John Dowie says my taste in music sucks, and he wants to, to set up a week of punk music or something. We're, screaming is not music. I'm sorry. Anyway, with that, Ben Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Finally, I figured out what it took a long, long time. Now there's a ton of bop Maybe cause I'm a trying There's been time All my
long, long time Oh, now there's a ton about Maybe cause I'm trying There's been time All my